0: What do Omneris in Verdi's Aida and the title role in Bizet's Carmen have in common? Find out on this episode of the Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast. The Metropolitan Opera Guild is dedicated to enriching people's lives through an awareness and deeper appreciation of opera. Our podcast features lectures and events presented by the Guild in support of performances at the Metropolitan Opera. The Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast is funded in part by support from the Stuart J. Pierce Memorial Fund. To learn more, visit metguild.org. I'm Stuart Holt, and on today's episode, we'll be exploring the world of the mezzo-soprano. Mezzos sing roles that run the gamut from witches to seductresses to nurses and young men. Now, here's Guild lecturer Naomi Baratera to guide us through this versatile voice type.
1: Hello everyone, and welcome back to the third installment of our operatic voice type series. I know it's been quite a while since we've had one of these episodes, but I'm very excited to get back to it this week, diving into the wonderful world of mezzo-sopranos. As I have said in past episodes when we discussed sopranos and tenors, discussing voice types or the German Fach system can be confusing because when you are researching and reading about voice types, it sometimes feels as if no two sources give you the exact same definitions and the categorization of voices is generally a very subjective thing. So before we get into exploring all of the categories and roles and different singers that we're going to listen to within the mezzo-soprano repertoire, first we will cover a little bit of history just to give us some context. If you look at all the different operas written across the different historical eras from the Baroque, Classical, Romantic, 20th century and right up into the present day, And if you take into consideration all of the different languages that opera is written in and the cultural differences, regional traditions, and performance practices that have accrued over time, then it becomes very apparent that there are many different types of characters and different types of roles and different types of singers that you find across the repertoire, all with very unique and individual voices. To help singers figure out what kinds of roles they might excel at singing the Germans developed a system of voice categorization for operatic roles and voices, taking into account a wide variety of factors. This is called the Fach system and the word Fach means compartment or subject as in a subject of study and it is commonly understood as describing various vocal specializations. The Fach system can be employed in two different ways, to categorize operatic roles according to the range of the music that the character is required to sing, so the highest pitch to the lowest pitch, as well as the quality of sound or timbre of a voice needed to portray the character in a desired way, and the weight of the voice needed so that the voice can be heard over the specific size of the orchestra that you find at that particular historical moment when that opera was written. The Fach system and the different voice categories that it popularizes also is used to try and categorize opera singers based on similar factors, so the range or tessitura of the voice, the weight, and the timbre or the quality of the voice to be sure that when we are casting an opera the capabilities of the singer and the unique aspects of their voice match what is called for by the role that they are cast in. Even though the system was primarily developed to deal with roles and repertoire of the 18th and 19th century with a largely German focus, it was quickly adapted and expanded to encompass roles and voices from across the operatic repertoire. German, Italian, and French repertoire still makes up the majority of roles that are discussed, but both English and Russian roles have since been incorporated into the system of categorization as the terminology has become more popular. One of the most trusted sources in explaining and establishing the Fach system is the Handbuch der Oper by Rudolf Kleuber, and it was first published in the 1950s. It is still updated today and remains the definitive guide for discussions of Fach as well as the Guide to Operatic Roles and Arias by Richard Baldry. But long before these two resources became available, scholars were writing about voices and working to try and codify a way of talking about The operatic voice generally since the time of Mozart, if not earlier. Some of the earliest writers include Johann Hiller, Giambattista Mancini, and Manuel Garcia. And as you might imagine, even with a rich history of people writing about the operatic voice, scholars, critics, and singers still disagree about what the perfect definition of these categories and roles might be and to further complicate matters, much of the German terminology has been translated and adapted into the English language, where it is often used in a much more fluid or more pliable way in North America than in Europe. So in our time together today, we're going to cover the main categories of the mezzo-soprano voice, especially as we tend to use these terms in English and in North America, and I will try and cover both the English and the German versions of the terminology that we encounter, so that we can get a sense of how these things are connected, and I'll also try and point out some areas of debate or disagreement along the way as we listen to different singers and discuss these different categories. There are a few more things to keep in mind as we explore. It's important to remember that singers are often capable of singing roles in more than one category at any given point in their career, and oftentimes they evolve over the course of their career, maturing into certain categories and roles as they age. Also remember that a role can belong to more than one Fach category at one time, meaning that more than one type of voice could effectively bring that role to life and take it on. And so as a result some roles are cross-listed and other roles occupy this very contentious area where some casting directors and scholars think it might belong to one category while others think it belongs better in another. And public taste has a big part of this too because there are times when throughout history the public liked heavier voices singing certain types of roles and then over time tastes shift and change and then maybe today they like lighter voices singing that particular role. So that's also part of the constantly evolving history of voice categorization and as society changes some of the public taste changes as well voice types in general provide guidelines to help us understand all the possibilities and factors involved when casting an opera and when a singer is considering what kind of roles might be a good fit for them, but they are not a series of hard and fast rules never meant to be broken, at least not in today's operatic landscape. Now there are also two very important or unique elements of the mezzo-soprano category that we're going to need to know about before we start listening to some of these examples. The first important thing to know about is that throughout these different mezzo-soprano categories we are going to encounter several pants roles. And a pants role is a special type of role that pops up a lot in mezzo territory. It occurs when a female singer plays and sings the role of a male character. At one point in opera history, the castrati were a big part of opera culture, men who were castrated before puberty to maintain the high range of their voices into adulthood. Castrati sang both male and female characters in opera, and this practice was a big part of the opera industry, especially in Italy, up until the early 1830s, when the popularity of Castrati significantly declined, and the male tenor became the desired voice for operatic heroes and heartthrobs. There's a lot of very interesting history behind all this and if you want to know more about that period of change in the early 1800s I suggest reading the writing of John Potter. It's really fascinating and he has some great articles and books out there that dig into this topic. But getting back to how this connects with mezzos. Since we no longer have castrati today, we now have several roles in the operatic repertoire that are male characters where the music calls for a voice that roughly lies within the female mezzo-soprano range, which is why mezzos now have this special component to the possible repertoire that they could sing. And I should also add... That even before the decline of Castrati some composers felt that female singers could better express the young immature and passionate nature of young men or teenage boy characters and therefore they deliberately wrote roles not for Castrati but for women to sing a male character. Carabino in *Le Nozze di Figaro is an excellent example of this by Mozart and it's actually one of the earliest examples as well. The second important thing to note when we talk about mezzos is that it's very easy to mix up terminology such as mezzo-soprano, alto, and contralto. We hear and read about these three terms all the time in opera and classical music, but it's important that we know and recognize the difference between them. The word mezzo literally means middle in Italian, so that indicates that the mezzo-soprano range lies in the middle of something. And technically it is in the middle of the female vocal range. Sopranos can sing higher and contraltos can sing lower than mezzos. The contralto voice category tends to be combined with the mezzo soprano into one large bucket when we talk about it and the contralto occupies the lowest pitch range no matter how you group things together. But there is more or less a consensus in the opera world that mezzos and true contraltos are two different categories of singer. And we will explore this more before the end of the episode, we'll dig into it a bit more. But on top of this differentiation between mezzo and contralto, the term contralto is often confused with the term alto, which also refers to a female voice that occupies a lower pitch range. The terms alto and contralto both indicate a pitch range between tenors and mezzo-sopranos, but technically speaking alto refers to a range a little bit higher than a tenor, whereas contralto more specifically indicates a female voice between the mezzo and the tenor range. And remember how I mentioned that the castrati at one point sang both male and female characters? Some castrati were also called contraltos in their time because that was the range that best fit them, but today we use the term contralto to mainly refer to female voices that can reach pitches between a tenor and a mezzo soprano. In choral music, Altos generally refer to the lower female voices, although it technically is not a gendered term, so it simply refers to a range between tenor and soprano in most choral repertoire. This might feel like ridiculous minutiae, I know, but all of this is just to say that for our purposes today in this episode, we are going to talk about both mezzo-sopranos and contraltos, and we're going to discuss the difference between them, and we acknowledge that contraltos are the lowest female voices, And we've also learned that the term alto generally is not used in opera, but is much more commonly found in discussions of choral music. So with all this in mind, we're going to start with the lighter end of the spectrum and work our way down from there into the heavier stuff. And as we know, all operatic voices are generally broken down into first very large umbrella categories based on the large pitch ranges that voices can hit. And so we have sopranos and mezzo-sopranos for the women, tenors, baritones and basses for the men. Of all the female operatic voices out there, mezzo-sopranos and contraltos define the lower voices of the female voice spectrum. And then within mezzo-sopranos, as in all larger categories, the fach system tends to break things down into three main subcategories, more or less, the coloratura mezzo, the lyric mezzo, and the dramatic mezzo. To start our exploration, we're going to begin by listening. This is an excerpt from Rosina's aria Una Voce Poco Fa from Rossini's The Barber of Seville, and this is sung by mezzo-soprano Joyce Di Donato. (laughs) I'm <laughs> What we just heard is considered part of the coloratura mezzo category or in German coloratura mezzo soprano and many of these roles that we're going to talk about are also cross-listed as lyric mezzos which we're going to get to in a few minutes. So this category is primarily made up of leading ladies in Rossini's operas because he wrote several of these roles for his wife, Isabella Colbran, who by our standards today was a coloratura mezzo-soprano. A coloratura mezzo has strong, mellow, supple notes in the lower part of her range, but she is able to sing highly ornamented passages with flexibility and ease throughout her tessitura, whether it's low or high, and sometimes this pushes the mezzo into the soprano territory. This is a voice that needs agility, in the same way that we talked about coloratura sopranos many episodes ago, the coloratura mezzo needs the ability to move through ornaments with ease. So it can't be too heavy, it needs to have lots of movement and lots of energy to the sound. Even though this voice needs to have both very high and very low notes, the sweet spot where the voice is strongest is usually right in the middle of that spectrum. Other roles by Rossini in this category are Angelina in La Cenerentola and Isabella in L'italiana in Algeri or An Italian Girl in Algiers. And note that both of these roles that I mentioned are cross-listed by some, including Kloiber, as being dramatic mezzo roles or possibly lyric mezzo roles. So placing them in their own kind of coloratura category or subdivision is something that is often done because of the immense amount of ornaments that are required of the singer. There are also several pants roles in this category that are considered coloratura mezzo roles, again because of the ornamentation that is called for, and they include the title role of Rossini's Tancredi and Julius Caesar in Handel's Giulio Cesare, as well as several other Baroque repertoire roles. So, we're going to listen to a pants roll excerpt. This is Anne Sophie von Otter singing the title role of Handel's Ariodante, which was originally written for a castrati but is now part of that pants roll repertoire generally sung by mezzo sopranos. Listen for the flexibility that is needed to execute the ornamentation throughout the wide pitch range that the singer has to tackle. <laughs>
2: I'm going to
1: Category is the Lyric Mezzo or in German the lyrische Mezzo Sopran and within this category you have several roles that are very comic and they are usually secondary characters that demand very skillful acting but you also find some serious roles where leading ladies and divas and heroines get to be cast as mezzos. Whether the role is comic or serious, a leading lady or secondary character, the singer that brings this role to life needs to have a smooth, connected quality running throughout everything they sing, like molasses connecting one note to the other. Janet Baker is considered a legendary lyric mezzo, and NPR once described her voice in this way, saying, quote, Janet Baker defines the ideal lyric mezzo-soprano with her supple warmth, tenderness, strength, and velvety texture. The lyric mezzo voice might not have the same flexibility that we find in the coloratura mezzo category and they're not usually required to sing the same amount of ornaments but they do have a beautiful mellow quality to the voice and the weight of the voice is kind of in between that of the light flexible coloratura that we just heard and the heavier dramatic mezzo repertoire that's coming up. Many of my personal favorite pants rolls can also be found in this lyric mezzo category, including Carabino from Le Nozze di Figaro by Mozart, Niklaus from Le Conte Hoffmann by Offenbach, Prince Orlovsky from Die Fledermaus by Strauss, Sibel in Faust by Gounod, and also Hansel from Humperdinck's Hansel und Gretel. And there are some really fantastic roles that are female characters really spanning the operatic repertoire. So we have Dorabella in Cosi Fantute by Mozart. We have Charlotte in Massenaise Werther. The second lady in Mozart's Die Zauberflöte is also a lyric mezzo. Carmen, the title role of Carmen by Bizet is sometimes considered a lyric mezzo, though we will come back to this. Miranda in The Tempest by Thomas Addis, which is a more recently composed work. The Pilgrim in L'Amour de Loin* by Kaya Sariajo is also lyric mezzo role and very recently composed. And then another example from a different time period is Karolka from Yenofa by Leosh Janacek. So really quite a bit of diversity that you can find in this category. And because there's so much we can draw from we're going to listen to several shorter clips so that you can hear a variety of singers in the variety of roles that we find in the lyric mezzo territory. The first clip we're going to listen to is Frederica von Stada who is a legendary mezzo known for her iconic portrayal of many of these roles. Here she is singing Voike Sapete and this is the role of Carabino from Mozart's Nazi di Figaro. Next, if we fast forward 200 plus years in opera history, we have the role of the Pilgrim in Kaya Sarriaho's L'Amour de Loin, which had its Met Opera premiere just this last season. This is mezzo-soprano Tamara Mumford singing the role of the Pilgrim, and this is a role that is kind of androgynous, it's not necessarily a pants role, but... Depending on how you play it, it can be spun as occupying this androgynous zone between pants roll and female mezzo character. example is the wonderful and luminous Isabelle Leonard singing the role of Charlotte in Massenet's Werther. Listen for the smooth focused but also mellow quality of the voice. It shimmers in the top end and it has a little bit of darkness to it at moments but it is also seamlessly connected throughout from top to bottom. So this is Isabelle Leonard singing one of Charlotte's arias from Werther. <laughs> We're going to listen to another short clip of Isabel Leonard, but this is Isabel Leonard singing Carabino, which is the same role that we just heard Frederica von Stade sing, and we'll actually listen to a little bit from the same aria, Voike sepete, just so you can do a little bit of compare and contrast. I think Isabel has the same shimmering connection that we heard with Frederica, but it is a very different context than the Verter example we just heard her singing.
2: (laughs) Thank <laughs>
1: For our last example in the lyric Mezzo Territory, we're going to listen to Kate Lindsay singing the role of the muse in Offenbach's Le Conte Offman. This is another pants role, and this is a really fascinating one because the muse also sort of plays with an ambiguity in gender. Is the muse female or male? She is often costumed in a more male-centric fashion, posing or disguising herself as Hoffman's friend, but she takes on a more female persona when she is in her spiritual muse form. So this is Kate Lindsay singing the violin aria from the Antonia act of Le Conte Hoffman. (laughs)
2: He made me at
1: of you listeners who are already familiar with some of the mezzo repertoire, you will know that the title role of Bizet's Carmen is one of the mezzo roles of all mezzo roles. But where does it fall in this grand scheme of categorization? This is a good example of a role that is cross listed mainly because people can't really agree on what makes the perfect Carmen. So some scholars and critics would say Carmen is definitely a lyric mezzo soprano but others say that even if a lyric mezzo auditions with some of the arias from Carmen it is really best sung on stage in a full-fledged production by a dramatic mezzo. So we're going to listen to an aria that many of you will probably recognize or know even if you don't know you know it. This is the Habanera from Bizet's Carmen and our Carmen that we're going to listen to is mezzo-soprano Alina Garancha. da <laughs> This leads us into our dramatic mezzo territory or the Dramatische sopran in German. The dramatic mezzo needs to have a strong middle range but also the ability to push into the soprano range with a lot of power and ease. Much like the spinto soprano or the dramatic soprano, the dramatic mezzo voice usually has some kind of metallic quality or timbre in the voice that can cut through a really large orchestra easily holding their own in works by Verdi or Wagner that tend to have these very, very large size orchestras that the singer needs to work with. A dramatic mezzo voice is usually heavier and more powerful than a lyric mezzo, which means that they often have some really rich low notes, a core strength in the middle of their range, and warmth in the higher notes as well. Just like a lyric voice, they need to have smooth connection, but sometimes they can also bring in a more forceful element to the sound. There is a darkness in the mezzo-soprano voice that really lends itself to meaty, intense roles on stage. And since they are usually characters that hold a great amount of power or authority in the story, the singer needs to have a commanding presence. Some of the roles that are considered on the lighter side of the dramatic mezzo repertoire include Princess Eboli from Verdi's Don Carlo, Dora Bella from Mozart's Cosi fan Tutte, although we've already talked about her so obviously she is cross-listed as a possible lyric mezzo role as well. There are several Wagner roles in this category including Fricka in The Ring Cycle and Kundry in Parsifal. And as we talked about, possibly the title role of Carmen, and also the role of M. Neris in Verdi's Aida is really a big part or a big role for this particular category. And we really are living in a wonderful world of mezzos right now. Mezzos that are singing this dramatic mezzo rep really exquisitely, including Olga Borodina, Stephanie Blythe, Ekaterina Gubanova, Dolores Zajic, Alice Kut, Alina Gorancha, and Jamie Barton, to name just a few. So let's listen to some of these lovely ladies. We're going to start with Dolores Ojic singing Amneris. This is from Verdi's Aida, and this is a recording from the Met in 1989. <laughs> heavier end of the dramatic mezzo roles, we have Atsuchena in Verdi's Il Trovatore, we have the Countess in Tchaikovsky's The Queen of Spades, we also have Judith from Bartok's Bluebeard's Castle, although some would categorize this as a contralto role, so this is another cross-listed role. And then Fricka, who I mentioned just a moment ago, a character in Wagner's Ring Cycle, some think that this is a heavier dramatic mezzo role, so it really depends on the aesthetics of the casting director, what they're going for. But for our example, we are going to listen to Elena Obratsova singing Storida la Vampa, and this is one of Atsucena's arias from Il Trovatore, which is really a quintessential dramatic mezzo role. we've covered the main mezzo-soprano categories we come to the area of the contralto. So a true contralto voice is one of the most rare types of voices that you find amongst opera singers. A true contralto is very very hard to find and Marian Anderson who was the first African-American soloist to appear at the Met was definitely a true contralto and Toscanini once said that a voice like hers only comes around every 100 years. Classics Today once described how it is not necessarily the range that makes a true contralto, but the color and texture of the voice is what defines the sound. Contraltos are able to use chest voice both in the lowest parts of their range and in the higher pitches, giving the sound a very unique, rich, dark, and smoky quality. There is a really great article by Eric Myers in Opera News that digs into the world of contraltos, and in the article he stated, Quote, The sound of a true contralto is huge and plummy, with organ-like tones covering a range from F below middle C to A above the treble clef, often with extensions at either end. The deep, resonant, open-throated contralto sound is unique, as if it were being drawn up out of the earth. It is often found in bodies that are tall, wide, and solidly built, with an ample chest cavity to support the tone. The break in the voice tends to be around F above middle C and, according to contralto Maureen Forrester, is negotiated through much clever singing. So as Myers describes, this true contralto voice really can have a beautiful substance to the sound, but because of this special timbre, they are often stereotyped as playing old maids, grotesque witches, and evil seductresses. Since a true contralto is such a rare thing, it is very common to have lyric and dramatic mezzos that are able to hit the pitches in the low contralto territory cast in these contralto roles, even if they don't have that true contralto timbre. And there are several mezzos that are very good at doing this and have had great success in these roles, even if they would never bill themselves as a contralto. So, examples of some contralto roles include. Cornelia from Handel's Giulio Cesare, Ulrica in Verdi's Unbalo in Mascara, Yeshi Baba the Witch in Dvorak's Rusalka, although that is up for debate. Some people put that more in the dramatic mezzo territory. And the same thing goes for the role of Dalila in Camille Sasson's Samson et Dalila. In Poulenc's The Dialogue of the Carmelites, the old prioress is considered a contralto role, as well as Madame Flora in Giancarlo Menotti's The Medium, and Erida in Wagner's Siegfried. Some great, true contraltos that we have seen on the opera stage include Maureen Forrester, Kathleen Ferrier, Ernestine Schumann-Heinck, and Marian Anderson. For our example, so that you can hear a true contralto, we are going to listen to Maureen Forrester, and here she is singing an excerpt from Gluck's Orfeo ed Euridice. <laughs> that there are many dramatic and lyric mezzos that have successfully sung roles and arias that are within the contralto category even if they are not true contraltos. So for our next clip I want to play for you a duet of a mezzo soprano and a contralto role and this is from Handel's Giulio Cesare. We are going to listen to Jamie Barton who sings a lot of dramatic mezzo repertoire singing the role of Cornelia a contralto role And this is a duet with Sesto, and Sesto is Cornelia's son in the story, and this is Joyce Di Donato singing the role of Sesto, so again a pants role, which is commonly sung by a lyric mezzo. Listen to their voices together, and since you can't see them, since you're listening only, see if you can differentiate between the singers and guess which one is which, as you're listening based on the timbre of the voices, knowing that Cornelia, sung by Jamie, will be the lower voice with a rounder, deeper, darker sound, and Joyce Di Donato, singing Sesto, will be the lighter, higher voice with a more flexible, silvery sound. Many people say that the greatest dramatic mezzos and contraltos cannot be truly captured on a recording because the only way you can get a sense of how big and deep and rich and powerful the sound is, is by hearing these singers perform live. So I encourage you if you're interested in hearing more mezzo soprano singing look at the opera that's happening or being performed in your local area somewhere that you can get to and look at what the roles are in the particular operas that are going on stage to see if you can get an opera performance with a really fantastic mezzo role because there really is nothing better than hearing a fantastic mezzo singing live in an opera house. I've tried to pull my best and favorite recordings throughout the episode today to give you a sense of how powerful and beautiful the mezzo instrument can be. So to end our time together, to end the episode, we're going to listen to what I think is one of the most beautiful, sensual arias of all time. This is Mon Coeur, the aria that Dalila sings in Camille Sasson's Samson et Dalila. And as soon as you hear it, you'll probably think, oh, yes, I've heard that before, because it is such a fantastic aria. It is often done in concert settings even if the opera itself is not performed as often as some of our operatic warhorses. And there are so many great performances of this in recordings, in videos, that you can see by really legendary singers Jesse Norman, Giulietta Simeonato, Alina Garanccia, Jamie Barton, Elena Obratsova, they've all sung this and they're all really beautiful. But we are going to end with an iconic mezzo-soprano voice that we have not heard yet today, so, thank you all so much for listening and enjoy mezzo-soprano superstar Marilyn Horn singing the role of Dolly Law.
0: That was Guild lecturer Naomi Baratera discussing mezzo-sopranos. If you enjoy our podcast programming, leave us a review in iTunes or send us an email at info at We always love hearing thoughts and feedback from our listeners. We will be back next week, June 14th, with a new episode on Verdi's All-Stars, hosted by Met radio personality Ira Siff. Until then, I'm Stuart Holt. Thank you for listening.